Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C. I use they them pronouns and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, detailed descriptions of gore, descriptions of houselessness and homelessness, and references to food. Arc 3, Episode 10, Killing Tool to Catch Light from the Malevolent Volume by Justin Philip Reed. Our session opens on smoke. Trailing off the end of a lit cigar that a heavily bearded gnome is chomping on. The gnome sits at a poker table in a dark, velvet-walled room, inspecting the contents of a leather pouch. He's flanked on either side by big, beefy bodyguards in immaculate suits. And sitting across from the gnome, wringing their fingers rather nervously, are a green-skinned tiefling, a hummingbird-like aracocra, and a dirty, dirty goblin. The gnome reaches into the pouch and pulls out a pair of obsidian-rimmed goggles. And the gnome speaks. Now, where'd a trio of mucks like you get your paws on goggles a night, huh? The demand for these things is huge. Manufacturing can't keep up. We took him off some rich kid coming out of Wara's. Hey, shut up, Quailheart. Yeah, shut up! Uh, what my associate means, says the green-skinned tiefling lore, is uh, we acquired them through extremely legal and legitimate means. Right, and I'm a champion. 
You blood stompers know I'm a fence, right? I don't care how you got them. They're no longer your concern. The gnome drops a fat satchel of coins on the table as he rakes the goggles toward him, and the blood stompers greedily snatch up these coins. Now, you fellas keep selling me your uh, legally acquired goods, and I'll keep cutting you a profit, and maybe one day we can talk about the uh, blood stompers' initiation into kusing. The blood stompers look at each other excitedly, but before they can respond, the wall behind them shimmers as a blue-skinned tiefling passes through magically. They look ragged, disheveled. They're usually perfectly coiffed hair and stormy tassels framing their face. They're not wearing any shoes, and their bare hands are stained with blood. The blood stompers stare dumbly as the gnome suddenly stands up, his face blanching. Kane, what are you? Where did you? But I, you're missing. Where have you been? I call. Kane's form flickers like an image caught in static, and then they're in front of the gnome, one hand wrapped around his neck, slamming him against the opposite wall. The two beefy bodyguards leap into action to protect their charge, but Kane lazily sweeps their arm and an invisible wave of force, bam, bam, pummels both guards into the air. One crashes into the poker table, splintering the wood. The other hits a wall, goes slack. The blood stompers, uh, they scream and they flee, uh, the door slamming shut behind them. Kane, I... Wait, please, let's talk this out, you see? Kane's eyes are dead, but a strange, vicious fire flickers in their depths. They raise a blood-stained hand, and then they plunge it into the gnome's chest. The gnome lets out a hair-raising shriek of pain, and as they do, we cut quickly to the carpeted hallway outside where we hear nothing, because this room is soundproofed. We cut back in. God, what are you doing, Kate? What is this? The gnome screams as Cain pulls his still-beating heart out. It's wrapped in a faint, murky glow, the color muddied somewhere between gray and brown. And the gnome continues to scream. Cain calmly cocks their head to the side. As I suspected, not worthy. I'll enjoy this part. And then they crush the gnome's heart in their hand. The gnome gasps, his eyes going wide. He trembles, and then he goes slack. And Cain just tosses his discarded body onto the ground. That's for ratting me out, Sully. You should have never crossed me. If it weren't for you, I'd be free by now. And with that, they phase through the wall and vanish. And now we cut to uh, the Blood Stompers, scrambling out of a gambling parlor owned by the Kusing Guild. They shove past the bodyguards at the entrance and come to a stumbling halt in an alleyway, gasping and panting in fear. And Scrum, the goblins, going, What the hell was that? What the hell was that? What the hell was that? Lord grabs his shoulders and shakes him like a ragdoll. Calm down, Scrum! Calm down! 
Was that Cade? Like, THE Cade? But I thought they were missing. What, what were they doing with Sully? What do we do, Lore? As the blood stompers freak out, we pan to a soot-faced orphan skulking in the darkness of the alleyway. They eavesdrop on the oblivious blood stompers' conversation, and then when they've heard enough, they scamper off. And now we follow this orphan, scampering through the dirty, cobbled streets of Rosso, until they arrive at a fruit stand, operated by another orphan. The first orphan whispers into the, into the second orphan's ear, who nods grimly and runs off. They take back alleys and hidden streets, getting under people's feet, weaving behind market stalls, but never getting noticed by anyone, because honestly, who looks twice at a hungry orphan? This orphan arrives at a cobbler's where they whisper into another orphan's ear, who runs off to whisper into another orphan's ear, and another and another until we arrive in a dimly lit chamber. Where all around us, we hear the echo of running water. A low flame hanging from the ceiling illuminates a lavish throne made of bones, upon which sits a figure cloaked in darkness. A rabbit folk, orphan, approaches this throne. She walks up the dais, hops onto the armrest made of femurs, and whispers into the seated person's ear. We see a pair of blood-red eyes opening, and then we see a wicked, curved smile full of sharp teeth. My, my, my. Is that so, Hansa? Good job. Here. The shadow produces a handful of glimmering gold pieces that it hands to the orphan girl. Take this to your siblings. Share the wealth. You did well. A paw ruffles the hair on the rabbit folk's head, and she beams in pride. She takes the gold, hops off the armrest, peels off. And on the armrest she vacated, a paw emerges from the darkness and five gold-tipped claws unsheath to tap, tap, tap against the bone. So that's what you're up to, Cain. That's what you're doing. But who are you gonna kill next? Why the heart? And most importantly, how did you get this power? And now... We cut to the Tower of Risk and Reward, specifically the base, as several figures stride out into the open air of Rosso. We see Oka, Manaya, V, followed by Dr. Aluso, and trailing not far behind, Rev, Talat Om, and Xiaohu. What do the three of you do? We're heading to the plaza of... Um... The Dreams District. Yes, the Plaza of Dreams and Knowledge. That is where Atalanta told you that the Kusing Guild operates out of. I think Oka is going to walk quietly in silence, watching Manaya's back very closely as I think she's leading the charge. But wait until we kind of get to the main plaza uh, in the G Dreams District before stopping. Keeping the like thread on wherever Kane is taught, like following it. Manaya, V, what do the two of you do as you walk? V is very sort of in her own world. I think she is looking around at all the buildings as they're walking. And I 
think at some point she seems like distracted and like kind of stops walking and almost like the group kind of coming up behind almost has to push her along a little bit and you can tell like something's on her mind but she's still kind of following the group a little bit and what about Manaya? Manaya makes a point to be in the front leading the charge but is otherwise wordless feigning a an air of confidence that she knows where she's going <laughs> sure. Maybe you're like looking at the street signs as you go by. Uh, as the three of you walk and V, you trail behind. You feel someone bump into your back gently and a hand rest on your shoulder. As uh, the smell, I think, of charcoal and a warm fire greets your nose. As Rev leans in, right, her shadow following, falling over you. She's got her hood pulled up. V. Hey. Hey. Are you here? Are you with me? V kind of like shakes off a bit. And, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just. I can't stop thinking about something that God said to me. They said that I may be their paragons, but I'm not. They're not my gods. And it's. I'm just. Can't stop thinking about that. <sighs> Scott and Nectus are jilted right now, V. Like I said, it's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of how broken and scared they feel. That's interesting because I that's kind of how I feel right now. Broken and scared? A little bit. Rev slows down, keeps pace with you, looks down at you with these kind golden eyes. Like a mountain towering over you. How can I help? How do I... How do I fix this? How do I fix you? I don't know how to worship the gods. I want to learn. Maybe I can help. Before I was Rev, I was... a holy woman. I know something of prayer and worship. If you want to... Uh, Oka, Manaya, a doctor. Huh? What? What's wrong? What? Uh, nothing's wrong. It's just... Why don't... You go on ahead. V and I are going to take a minute. We'll catch up. Fine. Okay. Uh, with that, Rev is going to, still with that hand on your shoulder, steer you, like, off, right? In a different direction from where the party's headed. And as she does that, we're going to cut back to the front of the party, Oka, Manaya, Dr. Aluso. I think, Manaya, as you lead as you lead the, lead the charge, Dr. Aluso's going to look between you and Oka, from Oka to you. And from you to Oka, and just <clears throat> clear their throat and go, ah, pleasant day, isn't it? The weather is quite unpredictable. Is that something that happens on pleasant days, unpredictable weather? I was just going to say the weather feels uh, charged. Like there's something um, about to come, but it hasn't come yet. We have light. We can see. We can find Kane. First, Kusing Guild. Yes, yes, I agree with all of that. I, I agree with your assessment, Manaya. And just as a reminder, we have to be careful. Uh, the Kusing Guild, as they stand right now, they are our chief rival in trying to find Kane. Uh, they can't get their hands on them before we do. Oka will slow down a little bit and almost kind of like, if Manaya is still just like going forward, just kind of like tug on the back of... Dr. Eluso's elbow to try to get them to slow down a little bit. Oka, is something the matter? 
I just... I know where Kane is. What? I know where Kane is. There was a blood thing. Uh, blood thing. I can find them. But I don't think it's a good idea for all of us to come at them so fast. And why not? Because if you were being piloted by god powers beyond your control and suddenly five huge people trying to tear them out of you came rushing forward. Is there something in your eyes, Doctor? And Oka kind of like grabs the sides of Dr. Luso's face and like pull, like pulls them kind of close and is uh, looking at them. Your eyes are darker than they used to be. And your hair, too? Oh, oh, uh, yes, I, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if you would notice if it was noticeable, uh, but yes, it's been basically a month since I've been away from the Euclid, and uh, I suppose my eyes and my hair are going back to their natural shade. What do you mean? You're, what? Uh, I don't have blonde hair and blue eyes naturally, Oka, I maybe figured it was obvious. My theory is that many years of being exposed to whatever magical radiation is coming from the depths of the Euclid, it's a theory I'm working on, um, have altered my appearance. And now the farther away I am from that radiation, well, and they uh, run their fingers through their hair, which is still blonde, but it's getting darker, right? And they blink their eyes underneath their glasses, which are still blue, but they're again getting darker. I see. Good to know. I I think I should go find Kane. Oka, are you sure? They're dangerous. And they have the power of two shattered gods inside their soul, with which they can create any number of phenomena and miniature cataclysms that we're not even aware of the scope of. I... Doc, I am also dangerous. And I also have the shattered remains of a god taking residence in my soul. I'll be fine. Fighting fire with fire, I see. V would approve. Fine. Fine. Go find Cain if you know where they are. Try to reason with them. Talk them down. A appeal to the person that's still in there, like you did with Ravi. If you can. You're right here, Oka. Force is not the way to go with someone like them. They're a dangerous, wounded animal right now. Just a lot more powerful than most. Trust me. I understand that. And Oka actually turns and looks at where I think Manaya has like gone over, you know, like is like maybe looking at a two different street signs or something. And give me a second to... I'll walk with you to the plaza. That's where they are anyway. The rest of your group, minus Rev and V, make it to the Plaza of Dreams and Knowledge, uh, where blue and silver colors are fluttering, uh, and the sculpture here is quite different uh, from where you just left, uh, from the Plaza of Risk and Reward. It's a lot more like... um flowy there's like water fountains that are going you see a, a bunch of libraries and uh, vaults where scrolls are kept etc uh, laboratories as well workshops uh, here etc definitely seems to be a repository of knowledge here 
Dr. Lusso pauses. When you arrive, I think you're standing in the middle of like a market square, right? Where people, despite the apocalypse, are still going about their daily business because, hey, coin still has to flow. The world still has to turn, even in the wake of the cataclysm. And Dr. Lusso nods for you to do what you must do next, Oka. Manaya, come help me look. I think there's something over here. They lie kind of poorly, but start walking away. <laughs> Manaya is gullible enough to believe them. Ugh. Right, what do you see? And she starts walking over. I see someone with a lot of hope who for the first time has had that fucking shattered. And Oka pauses kind of like in a corner of the square, like under the shadow of one of these big buildings uh, and leans against the corner of the wall and looks at Manaya. What? You talking about me? Of course I'm talking about you. This is what I was afraid of. It's not every day you meet someone with a heart like yours. Big, open, unsullied, maybe? But that's always the problem. It's because the first hurt is always the most vicious. What is this, Manaya? What are you doing? What? I'm just doing what you do every day. <laughs> doing what I do? And what is that? What I'm doing clearly isn't working. And what you do does. So I'm being <laughs> like you. Being like me. And Oka leans back and kind of like kicks their heels and looks at the sky. No. No, you're not. Manaya, have I ever told you how I decide which monsters to rehabitate and which to kill? I don't just go around killing monsters for glory and gold. This is a job. My past turned me into a monster and I did what I could with that. I look at everything. Look at all the world around me. How many monsters? Did this town of miners encroach on what used to be a Bulette's home? Destroy their ancient <laughs> tunnels to build their own? Do they lash out in harm and in pain? Or do they hunt for pleasure? There's a difference. But once you take that step, Manaya, once you kill in cold blood, I put my knife in your chest. And that's not who you are. It's not who I am. Whatever idea you have of me is wrong. You still have people who love you, Manaya. Do you think Kahailani would be proud to see what you did in Atalanta's chamber? Napua, Nali, Do not would they be proud? Speak. Don't speak their names. You know I'm right. I understand, Manaya. I do. That was fucked up. These impossible fucking challenges the gods keep throwing at us. The destruction. How do we fix this? There's no way to fix this. But there are still people who love us, who love you. And if you turn their backs on them, then there's no hope for anyone. And I will not follow you there. 
You told me that your axe is a tool, not a weapon. I am a knife, Manaya. You all are a shield, a spirit, a wave, a volcano. Let yourself be who you are, because this is not you. I will not let it be you. You see a single tear well up in one of Manaya's eyes, but before it can fall, she wipes it away really quickly and says, then what do I do? Everything I've done has only resulted in pain, suffering, and death. I haven't helped anyone. Those two <laughs> men in the pits, I could have saved them. And I didn't. I failed. You I could failed. have saved my mother. And I didn't. I failed. But you? You have a god inside of you that doesn't belong. You have powers I could have never imagined could exist. What else was I supposed to do? You're obviously doing so much more for the world than I am, than I ever could. <laughs> so <Naya>. what? <sighs> you don't see it, do you? You don't. We've been following you. The only reason I haven't fucked off and stayed in the carnival, fucked off and gone somewhere else to die, to throw myself at monsters until eventually I lost everything, is because I could see the hope in your eyes that we could do something about it. And it reminded me what I'm here for. Those men in the monster fighting pits, I know their type far well than you do, Manaya. People choose their own destinies. You could not have saved them. And it's not fair to put that on yourself. We do what we can with impossible choices. They knew the risks. They took one misstep. It happens. People die. We weep. And then we stand up and we keep fighting because there are still people that we care about. Let's split up. Look for anything you can on the Kusin Guild. And then we'll meet back here. All right, Oka. Oka starts to walk past and then kind of pauses and puts a hand on Manaya's arm. I know it hurts. <laughs> it's like giving birth. It's gonna keep hurting for however long it takes. But maybe afterward, something beautiful is born. Find what you can. And Oka slinks off into the crowd. Anaya holds her hand over where Oka touched her for a long, long minute. We're taking a deep breath. <sighs> Walking out. On Manaya walking, we cut to V and Rev walking up the steps to a beautiful marble strewn temple to Scott and Nectus. Uh, you see a statue of either god uh, holding up the entrance into this tunnel. Uh, Scott, this 
half elf with this braid and even though this statue is pure white marble you can see where the artist uh dappled freckles on their strong rounded face uh, t- uh brawny arms extended above their head to support to support the overhang of the entrance to the temple and nectus this tiefling with broken horns, right, uh, with a bagpipe slung around their back, also holding up uh, her side of the temple with one lithe arm. Huge. Think like a Roman temple, right, to like Athena or Minerva. The two of you walk in, and everything gets darker, right? The light, the chatter of the marketplace, um, the smells of meats grilling and vegetables turning on, on styles, all of it fades off as you walk into this temple to Scott and Nectus. V looks around. So this is what a temple looks like inside. It's uh, You've never been inside a temple? You know, I once went near a temple to Sen back in Jukai, but... Uh, You're from Jukai? Just... I guess I actually don't know that much about you. Uh... That's... Actually, I, was... I don't know that much about you either. Right. But you said you loved me. Uh, maybe this is a good place to start. Uh, as Rev talks, she leads you down these like, this like massive like hall, right? You see like several other worshippers. You smell incense burning, right? Um, and you see like pictures of like the uh, depictions of the other gods, right? But they're smaller, right? Uh, all leading up toward the shrine at the back of this temple, a, a vast statue. It's huge. It's like maybe like a story tall of Scott and Nectus like intertwined. Right, um, not as a single being like you saw their faces superimposed over each other, but like two individuals, but embracing. And there's all sorts of offerings, incenses everywhere. People are like um, kneeling on prayer mats and like bowing and muttering like uh, sutras and prayers uh, as they give offerings and thanks to the gods. And there's just tons of offerings at the base of Scott and Nectus. You see peaches, uh, you see gold coins. <laughs> Maybe your eyes linger on those. You see gems. You see what look to be precious heirlooms, like old, like ceramics, etc. Um, there's a several people in here, but not too many, and no one spares either of you a glance. Uh, so your voices like sort of ring out in like this like hushed, hollow ter- t- uh, tone. So you're from Jukai. I'm from the court. Uh, your name is V Nakshirzo. I'm Rev, though a name I left behind is Mist, uh, Mist Stiltwalker. I left the name behind too. My name is Vasanti. V- Vasanti. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. Veronica. Not. Victoria. Not Veronica, not Vicky, not Victoria, not... Oh my gosh, I've had so many. When you're 110 years old and you keep making up V names, I... You're how old? 110? That's... Wow, you're one of the oldest people I've ever met, I think. Yes, uh... Us elves can live quite some time, it's, uh... Not all I've... elves, it's quite an unusual lifespan. Well, it's the only uh, lifespan I've got, so I I guess I just didn't know any different. Oh, you don't look a day over 30. V's, like, blushing a little bit. It's like, this is very new territory for me. I must say, quite the, uh, quite the setting for, for, is this a, is this like our first date? Is this what's (laughs) happening (laughs) I think you've been on several dates, but they've never been, like, named as dates, right? So this is... Yet another one. Uh, sacred temple to the gods who rejected you. No biggie for your first date. 
You pull up at the base of the shrine to Scott and Nectus, and Rev gets down on her knees and sort of like nods at you to to copy. Right, v sort of like looks and and then like goes ahead and follows Rev's lead. And then Rev makes a gesture, right? Um, and she explains the gesture, like her hand sort of goes, uh, points sort of north, the south, the east, and the west. And she says, we uh, acknowledge the four directions. He holds out her hand and acknowledges the four directions. And then we touch our foreheads to this holy ground three times. And she like goes down, you know, slowly and intentionally and up and does it like two more times. V looks at it, looks at the ground. All right. And V lowers her head down and touches the ground and repeats three times. And then Rev picks up, uh, there's sort of like a little uh, depository nearby, She full of incense, unlit incense. And she like picks up like a incense, several incense sticks and hands them to you. And she takes several for herself as well. And there is like a little like um, really hot logs, I think in a corner. And she touches the tip of the incense to that log and it poof, catches on fire and smoke begins to trail. And now for as long as the incense burns, we pray. The, uh just holds her palm to the end of the incense and just like a little flame flares up and lights it on fire. Uh, I don't know how they do it here really, but in the court, the first prayer is for the dead. The second prayer is for the living. And the third is for those who have not been born yet. So for my first prayer, I dedicate it to Leaf. For my second prayer, I dedicate it to you, V. And for my third prayer, I dedicate it to the world we'll leave behind. V thinks for a moment and the tears starts coming down her face a little bit. My first prayer is going to be for my mother, Paya, passed long, long ago. My second prayer be like looks at Rev and just like deep inside her heart is just like swelling. Uh, it's to you, Rev. And then for my third prayer, and as she's thinking of this, like images of her mind between the nightmares that she's been having for months and that vision of at Scott and Nectus that she had and then it's like it's like traveling through all that and at the end it's like almost like this glowing halfling child and that's what V like holds on to interesting okay Erica I'm gonna give you a point of inspiration there I am intrigued a halfling child the two of you say your prayers and I think you sit there until the incense whittles down and there's nothing but ash uh, on your hands. Uh, and then Rev smears the ash uh, on her head and gestures for you how to do it as well. And says, the final step is usually to leave something behind. Uh, she reaches into uh, the robes, right, of her, like, feather-dappled cape. 
uh, and she pulls out uh, some, some gold coins, I think etched with the emblem of the court, and she stands up and reverently sets them down at the shrine. What are you leaving behind, V? Oof, um... V pulls out her pouch of gold coins. She also has her other hand on her tie, and she's thinking <laughs> which would be more important for her. And she takes off the tie, pulls <gasps> it out of her head, and leaves it. Wow. Take another Vispo for that. Wow. Okay, yeah. You leave your Kelly green tie behind on this shrine to Scott and Nectus. And Rev looks at you and nods solemnly. You see, like, approval, like, in her golden eyes. And she says, I'm sure your mother would be very proud to see where you are now. I wish I could have met her. You know, I thought at the time that she was a very sick woman. But now, I think she was very special and she was just ahead of her time. She knew things very, very long ago that I'm only starting to find out now. At that, Rev pauses and quirks her head and says, perhaps out of the blue, she was clairvoyant? Well, I don't know if she was clairvoyant or not, but she believed that I had a dragon for a father and that I was destined for something incredible. <laughs> well, at least one of those things is true. I... My... Wife, my... Uh, she's... She's gone now. The myriad and all. Um, she was... She was clairvoyant. Uh, I suspect that's why the myriad... It's likely your mom saw the truth. She was seeing some version of the future that was accurate. And that aside, V, I'm very proud of you. Dedicating your love to the gods is perhaps one of the first steps you can take toward healing. And with that, she steps in and holds, holds you on either side of your, uh, of your arms. V sort of like puts her head on her shoulder and uh, there's a little bit more cry and like puts her other arm like around and just sort of not like sobbing but just sort of like just needs a moment to just like take it all in and her heart is just like feels like it's overflowing oh. Rev kisses your forehead and wraps you up in a big hug and squeezes you uh, and I think on her, like, her feathered cape, sort of, like, going over your shoulders, right? Uh, we are going to do a quick cut now to Manaya. Manaya, you are looking for clues about the Kusing Guild. You are here in the Plaza of Dreams and Knowledge. There are all manner of shops, libraries, etc. all around you. Where do you begin your search, and do you take anyone with you? We agreed to split up. So Manaya is going to strike off on her own, uh, mentally putting like a pin maybe in the plaza for a place to come back to. She's going to start in some shops. A lot of people go in and out. Maybe someone said something. Okay. Uh, so a shop that sticks out to you is due to its smell. 
I think. Uh, your nose maybe twitches, and you smell the delicious, like, sweet, uh, but there's also some savory in there, uh, smell of baked goods. And you see, like, a small line of people in front of, like, a, what appears to be a humble uh, bakery, and there is a person out front offering baked goods for free to those in need, those who might want them. And this person has, like, an apron on. I think it's, like, uh, dotted with flour. Uh, She wears, like, this floppy-looking, like, white chef's hat, right? Uh, And you also see, like, a sort of green twist front uh, crop top with these rolled-up sleeves over these, like, like, nice big, like, like, hearty arms, right? And, like, a matching maxi skirt. And she's handling these cupcakes and and breads uh, with these brown fingerless gloves, right? Uh, And this is a hill dwarf woman. Uh, and her hair is soft and pink and it's straight and it extends all the way down to the middle of her back, right? While there are two, the, these two front locks of hair are banded with gold in the shape of a gourd uh, with a gold ring tied to the bottom. And she's got this like matching pink beard that goes with her hair uh, with a gold hair tie at the bottom of her beard. And her lipstick also matches her hair uh, and her eyeliner is flawless, right? And she's like, she's like passing out these cu- cupcakes, these, you know, like croissants and these breadsticks um, and these like yotiao, which are like these deep fried like like strips of dough. Uh, and she's saying, "Please, please take as much as you need. Take as much as you want. I'm here to give. Please, I have a surplus. You don't no need to thank me. Please, no no money, none at all." Manaya, what do you do? Is the line moving rather quickly? Like if it she is. gets the line, will she? Okay. She's got like you know baskets and like uh, bags. She's like got a system going. You know what I mean? And is like passing it out to people. She's got like several workers also helping out. Uh yeah, Manaya's gonna get in line. Okay. Soon enough, you're at the front, uh, in front of this pink-haired hill dwarf lady, and she she moves to hand you like a, a bag, like a goodie bag, right, full of just delicious treats. Here you go. Oh no, thank you. Uh. I just wanted to ask you a question, but I don't want to interrupt. Here, let me step to the side. Oh, uh, certainly, of course. Luca, why don't you take over? Yes, Miss Brightstone. Uh, a little gnome boy hops up to take her place. Uh, and this woman, uh, this Hildorf, Miss Brightstone, steps off to the side and looks at you. She smiles up at you. Uh, and as she smiles, you notice that her smile, she smiles with her eyes, most of all. And that smile is warm, makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, like the, like the treats she's baking. How can I help you, child? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I'm looking for some information. You seem to have uh, talked with a lot of people, and do you think you could help me? Manaya maybe leans down and goes, I'm looking for the Kusing Guild. Do you know where I can find them? Ah, at that, her smile slips just a little. Uh, not because it's like a mask, but because you're bringing up what appears to be a sore subject for her. This woman, Miss Brightstone, looks left, looks right, and says, Of course I can tell you, you're not from around here, are you? That's why we're speaking in common? No, I'm Wuhan. I see. Oh, Wuhan! I hear they make delicious cream tarts. Uh, but that aside, yes, uh, the Kusing Guild, uh, they run everything this side of town, basically. If Bloodthirst will have his way, they'll run all of it. I'm not, I'm not, my business, we're legitimate. We're not involved in any of that. But even the legitimate businesses, we have to pay what they call a protection tax every month. Pirates. 
they mostly le- live and let live as long as we meet the tax, uh, but I've heard of those who are unable to meet it, especially now because of the cataclysm. Um, well, I'm just trying to do my part and help people out. They have Good. shops everywhere here. F- fronts. She leans in and sort of like looks side to side. Uh, they appear to be legitimate businesses, but they have back rooms. And I've heard rumors, I don't know if they hold water or not, uh, that bloodthirst lairs, um, <clears throat> and she points down. Another underground guild? Another? Are there many in Uhanahi? Nothing. Nothing. I've been on many adventures, and let's just say this is treading familiar ground. Oh, well, you certainly look like you've been on a lot of adventures. Look at you <laughs> with your big muscles. I bet you're the mom friend of the friend group, hmm? The leader. I make sure they're all right and that they go where need to go. Good on you. I think mom should be in charge as well. Uh, listen. Right. I-, I know we're just strangers to each other, but if you're trying to find the Kusin Guild for whatever reason, be careful, okay? They are powerful. Right. They're almost as powerful as the champion. Some say that the real regent of Nabal is the guild. I've dealt with more powerful, more influential beings a few times. I'll be all right. Okay, then. Well, my advice to you, try to find one of their front businesses and uh, ask for the back room. Uh, but you should have an excuse for why you're there. They're always interested in more business. You know what I mean? So if you could show with a little gold, they might be more amenable to talking. But here, please have these. And she shoves the baked goods in your in your arms. Oh, I I Please. Old family recipe. My friends will appreciate this. Good. Make sure they all have a nibble. I'm particularly fond of the Yo Tiao. I have a secret ingredient that I sprinkle in there, but I'm not telling you what. Is there anything else I can help you with? No, that'll be all. Okay. Uh, Good luck. Uh, Stay safe. And you as well. And keep feeding the people. They need it. Certainly. Oh, Luca, no, those are the gluten-free ones. Uh, And she turns and, like, uh, hurries back to her stand. On Manaya, receiving this bag of mm, delicious-smelling baked goods with this knowledge about the Kusin Guild intact, we cut to Oka. Oh, dear. Oh dear is right. Oka, following Kane's signature, let's say, Kane's presence, tugging at the um, navel of your soul, right? Pulling you in a particular direction. You are led toward, ooh, okay, a kind of dingy part of town, right? You're still in the plaza of dreams and knowledge because this is a large capital city. So each plaza is still very, very big. Think like an entire neighborhood of like a capital city, right? where the buildings grow tall and narrow and the alleyways grow particularly dark and dank, right? There's a lot of trash here. You see like a couple of the buildings are like missing entire chunks and they don't look to have been rehabilitated yet. Um, And there's quite a few like homeless folks out on the streets here. But the one shining place in this entire area is a fighting ring, right? It's like a, a... 
a front. They're not even like trying to pretend that what they're doing here is a fighting ring, right? There's like a mob of people out front, you know, and rags, you know, kids as well, you know, like, and they're placing bets. There's a hawker out front, like being like, these are the odds for today. And there's like a big board up front, you know, with like all the odds for the day. And they're like collecting money, you know, passing out tickets, etc. Um, and there's a different line for people trying to get into watch whatever fight's happening inside uh, what appears to be a repurposed theater. Kane's in there. What do you do? I think when they see the fighting ring, like an image kind of overlays itself in their memory. Uh, the fighting ring that they had gone to with Kane in the carnival kind of just like flashes this like, the sweat, the alcohol, the like, the punching, the fighting. Uh, and they kind of like jolt and pause just like in the middle of the street and maybe somebody like bumps past them, you know, and it breaks them from that. And then they, sigh uh, and move forward into the crowd, just kind of sliding their way through the crowd, letting it just bring them inside, keeping their eyes open for Kane in here. There's a lot of people in here. Yeah, you're like, which person are they going to rip the heart out of? <laughs> like, who here is Kane's target? But Kane is somewhere deeper inside this building, right? So you slide past, you know, the folks in line, you like muscle your way past in through the front door and you enter out into what used to be like a like a theater, maybe like a dance theater, like lobby. Uh, but all of the like old carpet is now like grimy with like mud. And what you're, you're like, is that blood? And like, just like unidentified stains on the ground. Um, there's like all sorts of like these like pop-up stalls set up selling like merchandise from today's fight. You know, and you see like two, like two, like posters are being sold. It reminds me very much of like the Derby, right? Like wherever there's money to be made, like a championship person is there to make it, right? And you turn and you see poster of like a really gruff looking like dwarf man, you know, and his name is like Paigu, Paigu the dwarf man, right? Versus um, the, a woman, a half elf woman. Uh, and she's like posed in a very different way. Like she's got this white hair that's like uh, slicked back. Um, and like her, her eyes are this sort of like pale, pale silver as well. Um, and she's got this like dark, like a uh, drow like skin and she's dressed in this like rough leather armor on, on her posters. It's Paigu versus Kisa uh, for this matchup, right? Looking from left to right, people are like putting bets, people are buying merch. And deeper within you see like uh, various doors leading up into what used to be like presumably a, pro a prothenium theater. What do you do? It's hard to focus, I think, with all the noise and sound on, like, which way they're being pulled. But they're trying to focus and pinpoint, uh, like, exactly where Kane is. Uh, and I think the tether, like, the closer they get, the more it becomes uh, tangible, I think. So it's perhaps within reason that Kane also knows that I'm getting closer. But I am, like... Focusing again to try to like find that mental connection of like even looking through Kane's eyes. Okay, why don't you roll Arcana for me? 17. With a 17, you are able to glimpse through Kane's eyes briefly and they won't even know that you're there. And the image that you see as you center yourself with all these like hawkers shouting, you know, the smell of sweat and excitement and money passing through dirty hands, you sink into a state of serenity and when you open your eyes, you are walking calmly but purposefully down a corridor and you know instantly you look around you see like um this is backstage 
almost definitely. You know, you like look up, you see like a, like a ceiling that's like open with like rigging up top. You know, uh, you see like just like this like hallway with like pipes running through it as well, and like uh, occasionally like what a, a pipe will like squeak and like some steam will come out, and you're headed toward. You know this. You are headed toward Kisa's dressing room. You're almost there. What do you do, Oka? Uh, Oka takes off in a goddamn sprint. Is what they do. You, they know where it is, but they don't know how to get there. So they're just kind of like sho- like shoving through people, um, like trying to find any doors that like go to backstage, you know, or like trying to usually you can get onto this, like, you know, backstage by going all the way through the crowd. But they're trying to like stick to the edges or even go up the balcony to get to backstage kind of thing. Just hurrying and trying to get there. I need you to make a wisdom survival check to get there as fast as you can. Unnatural 20. Okay, I think what that means is you're able to get there and intercept Kane before they try to do what they have to do. You are able to work your way through the crowd, through like the excited and eager throng. You like push your way through, you know, look around. No one stops you, right? If you pretend that you work here, then you work here. You push through a door that leads into like a quieter area, right? Maybe the door is even labeled do not enter, right? In Nabalish. You go down a flight of stairs and now you're in like this hallway where it definitely looks to be backstage and you're walking and like the sigil that you've carved into Kane's blood is burning in your own vessels, right? And your heart begins to beat kind of faster as your soul realizes it's getting closer to Kane's soul as you walk and then you turn around a corner and you're down that same hallway that you saw in your mind's eye not like 30 seconds ago or a minute ago and you hear it now you hear footsteps coming down from uh just around the bend what do you do first of all this sign can't stop me because i can't read namalish uh second of all oka's running you know once they're back in this back room where nobody can see them they're like running uh down the hall and they just like skid around the corner and maybe even like bump into the other wall you know and they just go kane kane as you skid around the corner, you see Kane's back. Those like beautiful iridescent multicolored robes that are now kind of stained with blood, right? Almost like they clawed their way out of someone's stomach. They stop, you know, and you see like their kind of disheveled, mat- like almost matted hair, like coming, spilling down around their shoulders. They freeze. And then they turn so you see their profile. And they're like a single eye slides to the back and fixes on you. They don't say anything. What do you do? Kane, I know you're in there. Just me. You remember me? I want you to roll. Not charisma, please. Anything but charisma. A charisma... (laughs) A charisma persuasion check with advantage, with advantage because they do know you. Okay, but I did roll a natural 19. Uh, minus two. Uh, 17. <laughs> 17. Okay, with a 17, they pause, right, at what you say. And like their eye like remains fixed on you. They don't move, but they do respond and they say, Oh. Ka. Yeah. Yes, good. Remember we were here, sort of, together. And Oka's taking a few slow, tentative steps forward. Are you, you're okay? Kane, come with me. What are you doing? I'm, I'm 
finding who's worthy. She, the Visanti, is not. I'm tracking them down. That's okay. I know a few people. Why don't you come with me? No. No, she... No, I have to. She's... Kane. Hey. I know it hurts. And little bits of red lightning just start crackling, you know, just little ones up over Oka's, like, arms and skin. I don't know if Vinash is feeling any... Like, there are two, there are two gods here. What's going on in my soul right now? Is there anything? I'm, call, I'm stirring it up. I'm stirring the pot here. Okay, I need you to roll to push your luck. Uh, there's no equivalent in D&D, so I'm just going to have you make a straight D20 roll. Can I... I have an inspiration. I think I'll use it now. Oh my god, an eight and a nine. A nine. A nine, that is not sufficient. Something bad will happen as you try to dredge Vinash out of your soul. And as a right, you have three inspiration, at least what I have in my notes. Oh, it's okay. Let's do something bad. As you approach, I think Kane turns fully to meet you, right? And as they do, Vinash is like stirring in your soul. There's like a vroom, vroom, vroom noise, like a Tesla coil, like like ramping up inside you. Uh, red sparks jump off of your skin, um, like... You know, your hair begins to, like, stand on end, right, as Vinash stirs within you. And as you get closer, it's almost like you hit a wall or that you're, like, suddenly wading in deep water, right, as the sense of pressure radiates out of Cain. And as they turn completely, you see that the side of their face that they, they were facing you with is them, but the other half of their face are three different faces superimposed over each other, almost like glitching out, like filtering between Cain, between Scott, between Nectus, right? You see the horn, broken horn of Nectus, and then it fades to like reveal like the, the freckle-covered skin of Scott, and then like the midnight skin of Cain, almost like a holographic image that's glitching, right? And Cain like twitches, and the edges of their body also seem to twitch and fray. And as the rage starts to bubble up, Oka grits their teeth let them go and it's nectus who speaks out of kane's mouth to respond to vinash speaking out of yours oka vinash no we will not let them go because to let them go would to be like you and now scod flickers in control is in the driver's seat now and to be like you is to be alone, to be separated from the rest of you. Where are the rest of your heads? Where's Suraksha? Where's Thristi? Gone. You're alone and you are weak and you are broken. But we have each other and we will not let you take us from each other. And Oka, tell me how Vinash explodes in fury. It's the fucking wings. And it's almost instead of wings, the feathers are made of red electricity that just come breaking out of Oka's back, uh, and, like crackling against the room. This like, like red electrical fucking wings. You are so afraid. You make me sick. You have your paragon, so take them and stop this nonsense. No, 
No, she is not worthy of us. We have to find one who is worthy of us. She's not Ying. We miss Ying. Scott? Oh, God, Scott, what are we doing? Scott, we shouldn't be... Shh, it's okay, Nectus. It's okay, darling. You think you can take me on? You think your broken rage is enough to... What? Challenge me? Come! And let me throw you back to the depths of the Euclid where you came. Oka, you know, runs fucking forward and their blade is already drawn. You're trapped in a nightmare. You know you are. But you don't want to wake up. No, you can't wake up. Because waking up means confronting real life. Which is worse than this. Describe your nightmare to me, Dewey. After the world goes Dewey Kablooey, I come to, running down an endless smoky corridor, the sound of my feet hitting the vinyl floor echoing off the walls around me, and the sound of my breath heavy in my ears. My lungs burn, and my legs are weak, but I can't stop. If I keep running, I don't have to look behind me, and I don't have to look behind me to feel the conglomerate of pasts and people I've left in my wake. I pass by open door frames, filled with brilliant sunlight, a way out. The flames behind me lick at my ankles. My head is pounding. My vision blurs. And then you see her. Rose. The girl you mentored. The girl you thought of as daughter before you knew what that meant. What does she look like? And why, Dewey, why is she running from you? She's wearing armored leg braces made out of a sturdy but lightweight synthetic mesh and a pack strapped to her back that houses the distiller I rigged up to refill a slim oxygen tank infused with bag of holding technology uh, from the air on the go. Her waistband holds the tools and weapons she forged herself at my shop. Her hair is a silvery pink color and is tied into braids that fly behind her as she runs. This is what she looked like the last time I saw her, right before she headed into the championship arena. I remember her smiling back at me before she walked in. This time, there was only a look of betrayal, sadness, horror in her eyes before she turned and ran. The spark I'd cherished so much had disappeared because I ruined her. The whole time I knew her, I was trying to help her, but I was wrong and I left her worse off than when we met. I was the reason she lost her faith in the world. I know I'd only hurt her more if I caught up to her but I want what we had back. She's running off and taking what little happiness she has with her. You're about to catch up to her. You're so close. Your fingers almost touch her. And then she turns into sand and crumbles at your feet. Standing in her place, a tiefling. Skin blue as midnight, eyes vicious like a wound. Kane laughs at you, their hands drenched in her blood, and then they wrap their fingers around your throat and they transform into the myriad. You can run, but you can't hide, Cardu. And then you sink into the darkness. What does the darkness say to you? Nothing good lasts. Not friends, not family, 
not love. Look into the mirror, Dewey. You're alone. Can you rely on the strength of your character? Are you ready to go out and face the world? Do you want to wake up? And with that, we pull out of this darkness and onto a face. A worn, feathered face. Eyes closed, lying prone on a bed in a nice room. Too nice for this weathered man. And then we see Dewey's eyelids flutter. And on that fluttering, we cut back to... Oka. Wings of red lightning are shot out of your back. Right? Static, just fraying the air eating up the atmosphere around you, frying up the oxygen in this underground hallway where you are confronting Cain, or rather, where Vinash is confronting Skad and Nectus inside of Cain. What do you do? Vinash is just hyper-powering Oka forward through whatever mire of pressure that they had felt from Skad and Nectus. Uh, and is just absolutely piloting Oka's little body here. They unsheath Dream Hunter. I think it's the calling edge that like tears out of Oka uh, as they like like just like brute power force strike and for the first time, I would like to rage. Okay, great, wonderful, I love that. You charge forward, calling edge, ripping out of your skin and there's this newfound fury, right? thrumming through your soul that such close proximity with a god that doesn't belong to you has leached, right, into how you conduct yourself through conflict, through this world, through everything you can and can't do, and you plunge toward Cain, right? Lightning jutting off of your shoulders and the two of you collide, right? You attack Cain, you slam them onto the ground, and the two of you roll, right, down this corridor, a noise like two elephants colliding on a battlefield. Right, uh, and Kane is like punching you back. Uh, except it's not Kane punching you; it's Scott punching Vinash. Uh, you see, like a freckled fist, like fly out of the air, and bam! You are clobbered on the jaw uh, with like an, an intense, incredible force. Uh, so while you're in a rage, you take half damage for from like piercing, bludgeoning, and slashing damage. Right? Yes, I do. Does that also apply to magical attacks? I don't know. I'm gonna house rule yes, especially if you're in the middle of like being vanashed. Uh, so you're gonna only gonna take half damage from this clobber, uh, but it's gonna hit you for what's your max HP? Sixty-five. Okay, it's gonna hit you for seventeen halved, which is going to be eight. Yeah, eight because we ground down. Eight points of magical bludgeoning damage, right? Bam, bam, bam. Uh, Scott pummels the side of your face, but like your rage is like just like powering you through this. How do you respond? What voice rips out of your throat? This has gone on too long. Tear yourselves apart. Uh, and Oka wraps their arms around like the face that's punching them. They like grab onto it and they put one hand on uh, Kane's chest and they pull more so that they're trying to pull Scott apart, but it's probably going to hurt either way. As you grab Kane's arm and you pull, I need you to roll a straight D20. 18. 
okay, that's sufficient. Uh, you do what you were, you set out to do. You pull, right? And Cain and Scott let out like a cry of like furious pain as you basically dislodge this arm from the socket, right? Uh, and Cain lets out, uh, and now like the, the contorted face of pain like morphs into Nectus, uh, who you just hear her go, Vinash, please stop this madness. The two of you shouldn't be tearing each other apart. We need to be working together. Oka hears. Vinash doesn't. Uh, and they kind of like let go and then try to grab again. But I think by that point, they miss, you know? Uh, and Kane, Kane, Scott, Scott Kane <laughs> um, uh, would probably get a jump on them if so. I think that does happen as you stall, uh, like the face of Nectus is pulled back. Scott comes back uh, and with their other arm, bam, just like like punches you again, like upside, upside the head. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw. Natural 19. Oh my God, this one was also a 19. I'm not kidding. Uh, that was also a 19. Okay, so natural 19, what's the total? Uh, 19 plus zero. Okay, uh, you- Actually, I have proficiency, so 23. Oh, okay, then that will be sufficient. Uh, you can feel that what Scott is trying to do, like your, your like brain's like rattling around in your head, and there's like, like a burst of like iridescent light that explodes out from where they struck you uh, in the temple. And you can tell like they were trying to like stun you with that strike, but you are able to like, like work through it, right? And like Vinash, Vinash is swirling, furious, protecting you from that. Um, but then Nectus is gonna kick in and you hear her go, the two of you, enough. And coming from that, like her voice is like, seems to be supernaturally empowered. Like a thunderous force seems to sweep out from under Kane. Uh, and I need you to make a strength saving throw. Seven, but I'll take it. You are thrown off of uh, Skane's body, right? And you are thrown prone, maybe five or 10 feet away. You skid along the cement floor of this hallway, right? Vinash's like lightning is ricocheting and like echoing everywhere. Uh, Skane picks themselves up uh, and cracks their shoulder back into its joint, uh, back into its socket. This isn't over. If I can't have her, I'll have the grand prize. The one that will be worth it. That will be worth it all. And it's sort of a mix between Kane and Scott's voice here, right? <sighs> and then they sink into the floor. The floor shimmers as they begin to disappear. Uh, what do you do as a reaction, Oka? I, uh, me, me too. I go to. We're gonna, I'm gonna dive face first into the concrete floor. You do, and your head just bangs against the uh, the concrete as you reach as you reach for where uh, Skane is trying to escape, but you are unable to evoke the same kind of magic they seem to have access to. And on Skane disappearing, there's like a moment of silence, and then like a door toward the end of this hallway opens, uh, and the woman whose face you recognize from the poster is Kisa, like white hair, like peeks her head out. What? And Oka takes out through the fucking ceiling, I think. If Scott is, or uh, excuse me, if Vinash is still sort of semi-piloting them, they have these electrical red wings. They just up, up and out. Out we go. Just breaking through the ceiling and wherever else they're just going up and out. 
Uh, as you go up and out, I think we do a hard cut as you smash through the ceiling, like bits of concrete, you know, and rubble, like rain down dust and Kisa like covers and starts coughing, like covers her face, right? We're going to do a hard cut to Revan V walking out of the temple to Scod and Nectis, where they just proclaimed their love to each other and shared intimate details about their hidden backstories that they hadn't shared with anyone else before. Holding hands, coming out now into the sunless bright of the outside of Verasso. You smell all the smells that left you, the incense smoke peeling away from your skin. Rev pulls the hood back up over her head to con conceal her, her drow-like features in shadow. She turns down to look at you, a soft expression on her face. Are you feeling more centered, V? Yes, I actually feel like... And then, like, V, like, looks up and, like, Rev's eyes, which are, like, just kind of, like, you can just see them shining underneath the hood and just be like, yeah, I think I'm going to be all right. I'm really glad you took me on this journey. I'm glad you came. I'm glad you trusted me enough to go along with all the rituals and consecrations. You know, if Skald and Nectis are lovers, you know, um, it's hard with all this talk of destiny to be like, there is some sense of destiny right now. Because I'm in love for the first time in a very long time. Me too. And Rev leans in to kiss you. Uh, but before, I think before your lips meet, the two of you hear, Oka, why don't you give us a taste? Fuck! <laughs> uh, as they just come, they fucking crash. They destroy somebody's cabbage cart, you know? Like... <laughs> They just smash into it just completely and obliterate it just completely. Just it's cabbages everywhere. I okay. Think, uh, V's gonna be oh God, and like we'll start to take off, then like stop, turn back, run back to Rev, and like just give a quick peck and then turn around and <laughs> run back. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Why don't both of you have inspiration? Oka for that intro and air uh V for how you're reacting. Uh, you run down to where Oka is covered in cabbage leaves, and there's a very sad-looking human man there. He's just going, but my cabbages, but no, it's my livelihood. Oka coughs. Uh, technically, rage only lasts for one minute, so I think uh, as they were swirling in the air there, there's some like peeling off of Vinash that kind of short-circuited out of them. Uh, especially as they probably why they started crashing and they are in the cabbage remnants going oh, great eight fuck ow uh and there's a huge uh bruise starting to form like underneath their jaw and it's like split and like their nose is bleeding and they look like they got punched in the head by a god ivy hi hi how are you doing how are you doing Okay, you've I've I've seen you look better. I'm okay. You look like you've been better. I found Kane. I found Kane for a minute. Just for a minute. You still okay. have your heart and be like trying to like help 
Oka up and like V also looks at this poor like cabbage seller and is like while holding like Oka a little bit like she fishes into her pouch pocket and pulls out exactly 21 gold. It's like, here you go, sir. Here, I'm so sorry. Buy a new cart. Uh, take your family out for dinner. I see. And then Oka goes back, or V goes back to like helping Oka. Maybe walk more towards Rev. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wait, what's your name? So I can know to whom to dedicate my next cabbage stand to. Wendy. My name is Wendy. Wendy. Oh, thank you. And the cabbage vendor like peels off with this gold, right? Uh, Rev is coming down the steps, uh, tentatively approaching the crumbled heap of vegetable and drow that is Oka. Oka? Hi. I, uh... <clears throat> Sorry about that. Hope I didn't interrupt anything important. <clears throat> you... You weren't, uh... We were just wrapping up um, what happened? I found Kane. I don't think it went very well. Uh, they're underground now. I think they're going for bloodthirst now. We need to hurry. Let us go find Benaya then and see if she's learned anything about where we can find bloodthirst. Let's hope so. Rev, Oka, and V, the three of you head back toward the meeting location. You all agreed to reconvene in the Plaza of Dreams and Knowledge. By the time that your entire party, including Dr. Aluso, including Talat, and including Xiaohu, get back together, and Manaya, I think, is the last person to arrive here. Uh, it is now like late afternoon right the sky is this kind of blanched orange right as it turns to evening here as we are now in tortoise which is autumn so the days are starting to get a little bit shorter here interesting how these seasons still track even though the sun is gone manaya when you come back here to where everyone's waiting I think it's fair to say that you've done some extra snooping some extra talking around to see where the front businesses are so why don't you tell me what is the most promising front business that you've found? It's a fruit store. You'd think it would be like a general fruits and vegetables grocery store, but no, it's just fruits. Because fruits grow and spoil so quickly, there are a lot of people who come in and out very frequently, which is a good, prominent front uh, for shipping literally anything you want in there. I really like that. That actually reminds me of like the fruit stores that are in like China and like in Shanghai. It's just fruit that they have like sort of like open air. Um, so I'm imagining something like that. That's the store you found. And you know that the back room is where the secret entrance presumably would be to the true lair of the Kusing Guild, right? So Manaya, you see the rest of your party reconvened at this plaza, maybe in front of a statue of Mengshin Zhudi right, standing there. Uh, in the base of Mengshin Zhudi, uh, we see now this likeness of this particular god, uh, a man in these like long draping robes with like long hair um, and like an elaborate headdress done up, uh, stroking a beard, right, uh, holding like an armful of scrolls in one in one arm, is uh, this version of Mengshin Judy, right? Uh, so Manaya, you reconvene. You see V and Oka. What do you do? That's Oka. I. <clears throat> what happened? What you then? I found Cain. <clears throat> a bit. Sort of. The gods are not well. And they kind of touch their 
blooming black eye. We need to get to Bloodthirst as soon as possible. Kane is... Uh, they're still trying to look for a proper paragon, but it's... Something with Kane is overlaying with them. Everything about them is being filtered through the gods, and it's not going well. We need to find Bloodthirst, either to keep Kane away from them, or who knows. What did you find? I have a lead. The Kusin Guild controls this plaza. They're aiming for all of Rasa, but that seems like a long-term goal. They have fronts and several businesses. Our best bet would be the fruit store. How do we get in? I could probably try to talk my way into something. I talked to a bakery owner. She said, ask for the back room. That's our way in. V, if you would do the honors. Sure. Do we all want to go on in disguise, or do you think it's fine that... No, we go as we are. If they recognize us, so be it. Uh, if I may, and this is Dr. Aluso, will it be suspicious if the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven or so of us go in all at once? Some of us look rather, uh... Dr. Aluso looks at how tall you are, Manaya, with your axe, and also at Rev, who is huge and, like, getting... Like, people walking by are, like, turning to look at Rev, you know? Perhaps this might be better as a stealth mission? The three of us, then. Three of us first. You come in after. Give us half an hour. Understood. That's a good idea, Manaya. All right, then, V. And this is Rev. She uh, pulls you in close. You can do this. Just do what you're good at. Lie. You know me so well. And V just blushes and leans in and gets a, one more little kiss. There's a pause, and then Dr. Aluso goes, Are you dating? Is that what this is? Dating. We uh, we still need to have a we we're working on it. It's it's a hard time to date right now. Let me just tell you. But yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. He's very sh- like turning red right now. Rev pulls you in and just says confidently, "She's my girlfriend." She's my girlfriend. Yes, we're girlfriends. So I think that's the plan. V, Manaya, and Oka, the three of you head off toward this fruit store while Dr. Aluso, Talat, Xiaohu, and Rev hang back to give you a 30-minute lead time before they bring up the rear guard, right? Um, Manaya, you lead your party to this fruit stand, which is sort of like the front doors are wide open to allow like aeration so the fruits don't go bad inside. And you see like all manner of fruits, like native Nabalian fruits and also quote-unquote like exotic fruits from like Talmud, you know, that's just like super normal fruits that like all three of you have seen like plenty in Dabathati, um, like bananas and, you know, like uh, pineapples and, and mangoes from Wuhanahi, you know, more tropical fruits, as well as like um, this thing known as like a frost berry from a rose. And it's like being like kept with like a bunch of ice so it doesn't go bad in like this weather. Oka picks up one of the frost berries and puts it against their eye. Hey, 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 hey. No sampling. If you if you want to touch it or squeeze it too much, you got to bite it. And it's sort of like a shifty looking um, lizard folk woman that V, when your eyes fall upon the purveyor of the fruits, there's a shock as you recognize Trenchfoot, one of your many criminal contacts 
scattered across Andake. She's based out of Nabal. What do you do? V is going to look back to, to Oka and Manai and be like, don't worry, we've got a good friend here. Just leave everything to V. And V turns around and confidently, boldly walks towards Trenchfoot. Friend! V? You're, you're alive! And Trenchfoot runs forward and like claps you on the back. It's good to see you. Where's, you look, your hair, where's your tie? Ugh. Trust me, friends. Uh, that vault you sent me to, oh, let me tell you, that was that was a tip well uh, well received, well re- well something. Um, <laughs> well, hold, hold on there, V. Is everything okay? We haven't talked in months now at this point. And the vault? The vault was surreal? Oh my goodness, so real. I've got so much to catch you up on, but... Uh, my, you see, me and my friends here, my, me and my friends, we've gone to ourselves a little bit of a pickle. And if you will, I hear there's rumors that uh, you may have a very helpful back room. Trenchfoot cocks, you know, an eyebrow. She looks left to right. And she says, all of this is in thieves' cant, right? Uh, she says, ah, yes, we do have a back room. For what business can I help you with? Well, you know, there's a certain, I don't like to use names, but a certain maybe guild that could help some old friends uh, with a certain situation that has popped up here that seems to be, let's just say time is of the essence. We need the hurry. Uh, I would love to catch up more with you, but unfortunately we've got to get to, um, and like looking around and just sort of like, and actually uses message to cast the Christian Guild. Ah, yes, 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 of course, I can get you in, but this better be good, V. Uh, BT's got a way of tracking who lets in whom. Well, trust me, friend, once once we meet with uh, the old Bradford Taylor, uh, uh, (laughs) we'll, uh, we'll, they'll be glad to see us. They will be very glad to make our acquaintance. Yes, yes, of course, but you must tell me about this vault when you come back. I need to know everything. I've got a crew ready to go on your orders. You might recognize some of them from your wanton youth. Uh, That heist you pulled in Dokao all those years ago. But anyway, why don't you, uh, satisfy the itch in my palm first and I'll, uh, get you in the back room. Oh, you know that I never have any money, Trenchfoot. You know that I'm broker than broke. But, you know, for you, because you're a great friend and V, like, kind of, like, uses um, minor illusion to make her bag look like it's empty. And she's, like, reaching around in there and, like, she pulls out a single silver piece and be like, I'm sorry, friend, if I had more, I'd give it. But, you know, you know, I'm good for it. And plus, I have... The exact location, I, I have it right there in my memory. You know, V's memory is very good of where you can find the vault. I will send you there immediately after we're done. And V, like, sli- does a handshake and, like, slides the silver into there. And okay. a handshake. Just make a general deception check for me, with advantage given all the magic you're doing. Meanwhile, in the back, Oka's like, Manaya, where is V's tie? She looks weird. <laughs> I am going to use one of my uh, inspirations, because that was ridiculous. Where okay. Bert is. It's more important that we get into the guild. 
Um, she wouldn't leave a tie without good reason. And sorry, you said um, persuasion or deception. Deception. Okay. Well, still bad roll, but it was a twelve. Okay. Trenchfoot takes the silver from you, but like cocks her like beady lizard eye at you and says, "Okay then, V." I'll wait right here until you're done talking to the old BT, and then you're gonna tell me about the vault for my favor, hmm? Absolute 100%. I can tell you exactly where it is, how to find it, and on what day is best to maybe knock on the door. Excellent. Ooh, we're gonna get rich, V. You and me coming up together. No backstabbing involved. Come, come. The two of you wanted to see the special fruits in the back room, yes? Hey friends, come on, let's, uh, we're gonna see the preferred customer section of fruits. Right. Preferred customers. Yes. Let's go. Okamanaya and V, Trenchfoot leads you through several fruit aisles where, like, actual real customers are, like, looking at dragon fruit and papayas and stuff. As she takes you through a bead curtain. Uh, that's how skeevy this place is. Uh, into like a small, like what appears to be like a storage room, right? And she takes out a key and opens a door in the back of the storage room that's just filled with cardboard boxes and wooden crates and whatnot, opens it, and it leads into another room, right, that has another door. She takes out a different key, and this room is like, uh, also seems to be for storage, uh, but it seems to be refrigerated, and it's like kind of colder here, almost like a walk-in freezer. And then she opens opens up another door uh, with a different key, and it opens into like a small, what appears to be a reception room where you see a desk and there's like another lizard folk behind it, like, like doing numbers with an abacus and like writing on like a piece of paper. And Trenchfoot goes, got her snipe. These three would like to see the back room. Hands out, please. As gutter snipe, this other um, lizard folk pulls out an ink pad and a stamp. This is how the old BT keeps track of who's who down there. So the three of you better not give him any trouble, see? Because that trouble comes back to me. You know the way I roll, Trenchfoot. I'd never get into any trouble whatsoever. Then it shouldn't be a problem for a stamp in your hand. Come on! Doesn't hurt, just a mink. All right, and V holds out her non-gloved hand and... Awaits the mark. Uh, the stamp goes on the ink and bam, stamps you. Uh, and when it comes away, it looks like a, a like a gross foot, like trench foot, uh, as the as the symbol on the back of your hand. All right, next one. How about the big lady? All right, let's get this over with. Stamp, stamp, and it's on you. All right, and you, the weird one with the weird eyes. You weird eyes. Uh, and okay, hands there, hand out. Hold on. Uh, they, they're wetting they're wetting the stamp before getting it on your hand. Yet, they're peering at you. And they start to turn, and you notice um, like a bulletin board behind them with a bunch. It's nothing but wanted posters, right? And there's a little sliver of Makoya Hien that's wanted. That's like just, and the only part that's like available is like the eye, right? So like the double pupils of like when you had long hair. And uh, Gutter Snipe's going, You look a little familiar. Those eyes, I swear I've seen them somewhere before. No, I got in a fight just now, and uh, Oka has the freezer fruit just, like, plastered onto one side of their face, and they're kind of trying to squint with the other. No, definitely. You really want to hold us up? We're expected. Yes, we do have important business. Um, 
and actually V cast minor illusion on the poster to give three pupils onto, onto Makoya, um, just in case they decide to look. And uh, V turns to Trenchwood like, once again, you're lovely. And uh, you know what? Why wait till I return? And V's going to give the coordinates of where the entrance to the Copper Dragon place was. Uh, and V's going to be like, there is a butte with an archway on top. And let me tell you, friends, the dragon, there's a little dragon token on there. And all you got to do is tell it a great joke and it will let you into the vault of Benoit. Yes, yes, get that down, gutter snipe. Write those coordinates down. Thank you, V. I'm glad we can finally work together again. Lady criminals, rise yet again. All right. And gutter snipe stamps you. They shrug. Oh, okay. They, I think they glance at Makoya, but they're like, oh, uh, never mind. And they stamp you. And now that the three of you are all stamped away, Trenchfoot is in such a great mood, you know, that you've given her these coordinates that she takes out a final key. She sticks it in a final door, and she opens it. Creak! And the door creaks open. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Abigail Rytel, Azara, Brookbright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Mitzi, Moonflower Tea, Purple Mouse, Risa, and Target.